With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Sud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here. Talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Hey, the breakfast toast was almost late this morning. I don't know what the what the deal was with that. Oh, I thought you were I thought you were saying I was almost late. Telling the audience I wasn't almost late. I no, man, here. you're not the breakfast toast. Us together, we're the breakfast toast. Oh, okay. Out loud. Nevertheless, it's a Monday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show on a Tuesday. Didn't mean to cross you up, but that's what the week is all about. Uh, my friend here was flying the friendly skies yesterday, so he caused us single-handedly caused us to not have a show yesterday, so put it on him. Anyway, I was flying uh, the, the friendly skies. He was flying the friendly skies. My friend went all the way out west from Pennsylvania to go watch Stanford stomp a mud hole in USC in the Coliseum. Please, let's have a moment of silence for my friend Emil Calamino. <laughs> Yeah, You're gonna bring back the are, tears that that were that were in my eyes on Saturday night. The sniffles are in, man. Now, I know it's like to be in. in attendance and watch something like that. I don't know. I get this when you go to a game in person. I don't know if you get this feeling, but when you go to a game in person, it's almost it's like a little more shocking for some reason. Well, because you're watching, when, you know, it, it, in person. It, it, I mean, for people, I mean, I'm assuming most of our audience has been to either a big-time college or pro game. But for those who haven't, when you're watching it unfold, you can see more sitting there if you're paying attention than the camera mm-hmm. gets on TV a lot of times. You know that. It's, just, it's no different than watching coaching film versus watching uh, a game on TV. When you can see all 22 guys and what's happening, it is shocking because you get to see, again, you see more, and you watch it unfold. And uh, it was shocking. I'll tell you what was shocking to me in that game was more – um, and I texted you some of this stuff, is just how clueless, generally speaking, the USC coaching staff is. Uh, okay, well, you want to ex- you want to expand on that example. for me? I'll give you an example. Um, and, I, and I don't know if you've noticed this in your own assessment of the, the quarterback from Stanford, and, and this sounds funny for a kid that looked like he played great, is not a good quarterback. I mean, he literally, when you watch him, 
his eyes will take you if you to the receiver. You you could just watch him in his drop as a fan. If you just focus on him, you know where the ball's going. He doesn't look off anybody. He, he it's almost like hey, I'm throwing it to 18. Uh, the minute I'm going back, it's going there. Okay. Yeah, I I, I hear you. I hear you. He's very um, susceptible to, to to blitzes. Okay, so you're sitting there as an SC fan. The the one thing SC is weak on this year is their defensive line is an average group. Okay, it's not a typical mm-hmm. you know old school SC. You know USC used to basically be like Ohio State. They were one of those schools that could roll out an SEC quality defensive line. That's not the case. Their playmakers are all guys either linebackers. Or, or, you know, outside. So you're going to have to bring some pressure. So you're sitting there. I'm saying to people, guys sitting with me, you know, we got to blitz this guy. we got, we got to bring some heat because he's right. comfortable back there. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything like that. Halftime rolls in. It's 24-21. I'm beside myself. First two pass plays of the second half, lo and behold, mm-hmm. they blitz the kid. Guess what happens? They sack him. Twice. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just, listen, it's it's <laughs> – it's not their philosophy, you know, and so um, sometimes the coach doesn't w- really want to get out of character, and he's probably thinking against Stanford. We don't need to do anything crazy. This is Stanford for crying out loud. So, uh, listen, uh, okay. he's taking a lot I mean, of heat. But I'm just Let- telling, you, I'm telling you what I saw sitting there, and I, I'm not making this up. They talked about it the next day in the L.A. Times. They were saying the same thing. The guys who watch them, they're like, you know, why no pressure? Why, why no blitz? You need to get this kid off his spot. Obviously, you know, most quarterbacks are worse when they're moving. This kid definitely was someone you, you knew looking at him. you got to get him off his spot. And after the first two blitzes, basically, that was the end of that. So they let a team that, that doesn't have the athletic ability they necessarily have drive the mm-hmm. ball on them and hold it for chunks of time, like five and six minutes. It made no sense to me. So I'm just telling you what I saw. Yeah, well, I'm sure there were a number of things that, uh, you know, were seen uh, they're in person and uh, even on television. There's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, there's plenty of head slapping going on, and I'm sure it's going to be a very long week for USC. Who uh, did it, who they have this week? Aim like Arizona you know. State. Oh man, that Arizona um, State. Yeah, you think perhaps maybe there was a little tiny little bit of a look ahead, or well, just USC's not I that think, good. Right I think now? part of the problem is that you know it is, you've said this over the years. Kids know they've been installed as a double-digit favorite. Maybe some of them even saw you know they had to watch film, and one of them was was Northwestern making Stanford look not very good. And I think they forgot that this is a rivalry. This is Stanford's. They don't like USC. They're they're bringing their best game most likely. And uh, so there could have been some of that, but I think a lot of it, and I told you this, is David Shaw is probably, in, in my opinion, the best coach in the Pac-12. And they've got some good coaches in the Pac-12. But I, I think mm-hmm. he's probably the best. If you really look at Stanford, if you're into those ratings, they can Wait, generally – Wait, time out. Did you, did you feel this before the USC game? Yes. Oh, no, there I are many like saying he's, uh, he might be on borrowed time. That was kind of the talk. No, before. I like Shaw. I mean, I, I, I really like Shaw. I've liked Shaw a lot. I mean, you know, you could say what you want. They have a misstep at Northwestern, but I like what that guy does, okay? I like, I like his program. And here's what people forget. Stanford is generally getting – I'm not saying they don't get some – a lot of the three-star players that are smart. Okay, they're not getting a ton. They get their once in a while, they're five star or a couple fours. They're getting a lot of three star, based on rating system caliber players. They fit the Stanford program, and you look what he does. It's simple. You know, I'm not going to get the guys that run outrun everybody. So I'm getting big, offensive Mm -hmm. linemen, bulking them up, and I'm going to smash you in the mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And 
Yeah, um, he's being judged against the success of the man before him, which may or may not be fair. Um, but it's not fair. I mean, the, the man before him had had a guy in luck who we'll talk about in a little bit that was one of the better mm-hmm. college quarterbacks of the last fifteen or twenty years. I mean, it's not fair. I've I've noticed this. Some of the better coaches uh, really know when to leave a job. Some of them know to tie themselves in with a particular quarterback and know when they have one special and kind of make plans to leave when that particular quarterback is out of there. Uh, like Urban you Meyer. mean career plans, as in you saying career Jim Harbaugh plan. made a career plan for himself, huh? A career plan. I'm riding this kid luck. He's really good. Um, I do know quarterbacks. I don't know that I'm going to get another one like this. And since I'm on the – I'm trying to climb the ladder here in the coaching, let me pay attention to the other job offers coming my way um, so that I can exit with this particular quarterback. Some accuse Urban Meyer of doing this. Um, you know, so I, you know, I mean, it's not, listen, it's not, if, you're, if you're trying to climb the ladder of success, it's not necessarily what you're saying is a bad plan. If that's your, if that's your goal. Um, true, true. Um, I mean, is it? No, it's, it's not. And then, and in this, and in this day and age in the coaching profession, um, yeah, it, it's best for you to remain mobile. No one's going to coach anywhere for 20 years, at least not in any of these top programs you got to be at one of these down home aw shucks programs where they don't expect a whole lot if you want to put in 20 years in one place you know um like like an iowa um you know something like that you could put in 20 years and no one no one will go nuts on you if you're not in the college football playoff at the end of the year but if you're at one of these high profile places usc or uh, a texas or an alabama or you know a uh, place like that, then, you know, you really need See, to... See, I think it's the, very the hard for coaches to skip a step. For for instance, Jim Harbaugh coached at San Diego. Then he went to Stanford, okay? So he skipped a step after he was already, you know, done very well at Stanford, meaning that Stanford's, like, to me, a second-tier job in college. Um, he, but he went right to the NFL, but he had done very well at Stanford and turned them into, you know, for the time he was there, a very good program. But I think a guy like Sarkeesian skipped a major step, I mean, when I see when I see Sark, to me, Washington is what fits him at this point in his career. He's 40 years old. He really never had tremendous success. He did well to take Washington from an 0-12 team to winning seven games, and finally last year they won nine. But that's really what his resume rings of right now, and they've put him at one of the premier jobs in college football where you're expected to win, win big, and win often. And mm-hmm. there is no... You know he could go nine and three this year, eight and four. Nobody's going to pat him on the back. They're going to fire him. True, true. Uh, but what's a guy to do? You know what I mean? Uh, you coached at USC. You know how great that program is. You go away somewhere. You do well enough, and then something opens up to where someone says, "Hey, we're going to br- we want to bring you back at US to USC." As a coach, we pay you. What do they pay, Sark? Do you know off the top of your head? Two million. I want to say making three, four million, something like that. Three, four million. Yeah, I mean, you can't can't blame the guy. Can you go home and tell your wife you turned down a USC job for two million without coming at your head at high speed? No, you can't blame. You can't blame a guy for taking the job. I'm not. You know, I'm just telling you that I think he's he's put himself in a position where. You know, he's basically they're 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 going to have an itchy trigger finger. Matter of fact, I read an article uh, by about Hayden being quoted the other day, saying that um, I wait I might have waited too long with Kiffin. Basically, saying you know I probably should have hmm. pulled the trigger earlier. Now I think that's kind of coincidental that he says that you know the day of or the day after a, a, 
a bad loss. You know, it's almost like saying, pal, you're on borrowed time. I think Pat Hayden is very, very calculated. You know, um, he was the quarterback of my childhood team as a kid, and I wish he was really a little bit more calculated when he was under center for my Rams. But as an AD, uh, he is quite the calculated uh, individual and and without being so direct did kind of send a message to his head coach like you better get on the ball because uh, I do have a sharp sword and we'll swing it in your direction especially especially if you know someone better uh, maybe perhaps coaching in the pros right now uh, becomes available let's say um, can you kind of see where I'm going with that Emil? You, you, you mean a one Chip Kelly? Yeah, one chip. Who Kelly, I've been who, calling as the next USC coach probably for a year now because I knew he's get. I, I mean, there's yeah. A guy. I think we've both been on that train. Oh I've yeah. Been on a train of him, um, just doing whatever up there as a professional coach and gaining some experience uh, at the uh, in the process um, and using that experience of co- as coaches before him uh, have done to now go back down into college football and be that, you know, stronger. I think he's just sitting up there waiting for the ideal job. And you're the one to point out just how, uh, ideal USC would be for him. I'm sure. I mean, this I, guy think, has I admired mean, the and that could just be the Homer in me. Of course we know that happens. Uh, but no, I mean, I don't see how you could look at that and say, it's not a really good job for him. I mean, the, the talent he's going to get there is going to far exceed what he played with at Oregon. And he won a lot at Oregon, so I just, to me, that's a, it's, it's almost if it were to come to fruition, I, I, I want to call it one of those no-brainers. Right, right. Um, you would hope uh, Pat Hayden sees it. I mean, as a fan, I'm hoping Pat Hayden sees it the same way because if he becomes available and uh, Pat doesn't go after him, you're going to have one sad friend here on the other line because I just don't see how you could – I mean, I don't see how he doesn't become available. Well, listen, we just call Pat Hayden very calculated. He would have to know that if a Chip Kelly became available, um, that's 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 your guy that you want there uh, at USC. Uh, and I would not be shocked if it comes out now or even later that uh, some overtures have been thrown in that direction either by Hayden or by Chip Kelly's people because Chip right now is finding – it hard to chip into these NFL defenses. It was working, and then now suddenly it's not working. How? Well, can how I say two two you? things before we before we switch topics? One, I just want to, before I segue into Chip, uh, the one thing you being a coach, and I think you notice down in the SEC, the the thing I've always said is their defensive linemen are what usually mm-hmm. separate them when they play other teams. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're big and and physical. Okay. And over the years of being a fan of SC, we had that. The one thing I noticed at the game, you say things jump out at you. In the back seven, you know, the linebackers and corners and stuff, they they, mm-hmm. they look like typical SC to me. I mean, the kids are young. Mm-hmm. That's what people are forgetting. USC, I think, started 12 or 13 freshmen and sophomores the other night. Mm-hmm. But up front, where they have some, some older guys, they're, they're, they're rotating some true freshmen. The guys that are like juniors and seniors, they don't look like SEC linemen. They look kind of dumpy, if you want to know the truth, when you're sitting there in person. They look right. like big, and dumpy listen, kids. It's, it's, let's not forget uh, what Pete Carroll was uh, before he became um, the USC head coach. He's a defensive guy. That's what he was. Totally. Um, and, he, and he brought that to USC. And the the great thing that happened at USC with Pete Carroll was this. He knew – personnel-wise, what was needed on the defensive side of the ball, and then 
for the offensive guys, he knew what works really good against defense. So he he played he had what he needed for both sides, and so they put in a very good they put in a very nice offense over there at USC under Pete Carroll. And then on the defensive side of the ball, he knew what personalities, what type of players were going to be successful, and it was all about the D line and putting pressure on these quarterbacks in the pack. Pac-10 at the time, that were pass-happy and just breaking down these pass-happy teams with an awesome front four that could rush the passer. And USC looked like University of Miami of the golden days out there in USC. And they were the only ones playing defense in that league, and that's why he prospered quite a bit. I still remember that Rose Bowl where they played Michigan when they split the national championship with LSU and they dropped the kid from – that was the year Michigan had one loss, Ohio State was undefeated – uh, and the only loss was to Ohio State. That forty, you know, they they played a great game, or it might have been the year before that. But it was that basically core group of Michigan guys. They were the top five team. USC dropped their quarterback nine times in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, um, and and that was it. You know, you the quarterbacks and the and the running backs and in, in the offense, as is normal, got a lot of the attention, but not lost on um, you know the the hardcore fans was just how the defense was the major reason why. USC was able to do things that they, they, they did. And so now what you have are offensive guys. Uh, Sark's an offensive guy. So the focus, I really think, is on the offensive side of the ball. And now the recruiting on the defensive side of the ball is not what it was before. Maybe it is in the back half. And, you know, you could bring anyone in and get that out west. Um, you've got. Oh yeah, you're going to get guys who can run. Players. It's the Leonard Williams guys that that that, that change defenses, exactly. and and the, the fact of it is there. Now they have a good freshman class of. of they got took I think three big defensive tackles that came in this year that mm-hmm. were highly regarded. But you know they're young. I mean they're 18 years old. They just got out of high school. That's a position where you, you need to get in that weight program. Typically, there's very few guys like a Leonard Williams who just walk on the field as a true freshman and start ragdolling guys. So, you know. The guys they have there are, are well, now, well. I gotta, I, I gotta stop you there. If you bring in a Chip Kelly, aren't we looking at more of the same? Isn't it going to maybe? Be but I think Chip understood at the end. You know, it was underestimated with with Chip. If you go back and look at Oregon, they weren't a dominant dominant defense. But if you look at the number of plays they defensed and the yards per play, they actually mm-hmm. were pretty good. It's just that they, you know, they. Well, we've always talked about this. And when you start letting the other team run that many plays. You're going to give up yards just based on pure numbers, but in, in college, the, way, the reason I've always felt his system works is because you're playing with 85 scholarship guys. You can road if you got great athletes. 85 scholarship guys who are in the ages of uh, 18 to 21. Yes, can, and you're running you know, guys in and out. And if you're if you're at a, t- a school like a Florida or a, a Ohio State or USC, you've got a, a, your second team's probably almost as good as your first. They're just younger. So you're, it's a great system in college because guys are getting experience. You can recruit because you can tell a kid, you might not start, but you're still going to play a lot because we're going to be playing 100 plays each way every game. Kids love it. In the pros, segueing to that, number one, I, I don't think it'll ever work. They just run too many plays, the Eagles. Number two, directionally, the, their organization has a problem. Forget the X's and O's. Even if you want to say Kelly can fix the X's and O's this year, he may. They may, they, they, I, they can't be as bad as they've been. But directionally, I just see the Eagles as completely off course. He's been jettisoning guys out of there that were very good football players on a 10-6 and 6 team. It's not like the Eagles were garbage last year. They were 10-6. and 6. 
They were, and uh, he saw it fit to remove several people, and I'm telling you, they've got one more loss before that whole thing explodes over there and guys lose it because you know they were just sitting there waiting to say, well, let's see if all this works out, and it may not. And now they're heading to take on uh, a New York Jets team that looks like they might be a little something. But, you know, listen, before we launch into an NFL talk, uh, we had a game here on Saturday, and it was a tale of two halves, Emil. It looked for a moment in the first half of the Canes-Nebraska game. It looked a little bit like old-time Miami Hurricanes football. It did. And yeah. I'm sure the fans in attendance started to get a little bit of uh, some feelings. Now, listen, the fans down here, are, are in. they have their horns out. Okay, The talk on talk radio all week was, Look, a win against Nebraska doesn't matter. We don't care. It's not the old Nebraska. They want this guy out. They flew several planes over the top of the stadium with the banners this weekend, and they even had one. They even had enough money to put one uh, that had a joke that said, "Hey, can you fire Al Golden already? These banners are getting expensive." That's where the fans <laughs> are at this particular time, and per, and at and in that first half, Al Golden had put. The stall on that. He he got the planes landed. He got the fans starting to feel a certain kind of way, and it just started to look dominant. You had to take your hat off to what was going on there. And right there with the entire fan base in his hands, including alumni, something happened in the locker room, and they came out in the second half, and it was a totally different ballgame. You know what? The third quarter was our – it was like just the fourth quarter. What happened there? Is it we're just not used to being in this position, uh, in this situation? Uh, what are we doing winning by this much? What are we doing dominating like this? And then it just fell apart. And it turned Yeah, but I'm not telling you anything you don't already end. know. I mean, the, the real measure of most coaches is what happens after a halftime. Mm-hmm. Because that's um, when things change. I mean, you can either get better or worse in the second half. The good coaches make the adjustments that. You know their teams typically play better in the second half, and the the average and bad coaches do, don't change anything, and it goes downhill. Yeah, um, this is true. Now, granted, if you want to look back into history, it's not the first time something like that has happened to the University of Miami. We could talk about the Boston College Hail Mary game. It was a deal where where the Hurricanes were winning by a great amount of points, and Doug Flutie came out with the miracle pass that we get to see every Thanksgiving. Um, and there was a game against Arkansas, and um, there was another game against Maryland um, with our guy, who's a backup quarterback to Jim Kelly in Buffalo, Frank oh, Reich. Oh, um, Frank Reich. Brought them from the Frank edges Reich? of hell. Yeah, brought them from the edges of hell, came back and won the game. But that was a different time then, and there was money in the bank for the program to where, all right, you know what, we just slipped up here today, and you know we're still the University of Miami. But this happening on Saturday, there's no money in the bank. There's no money in the bank, and so the fans are right where they were before this game. Now, you got to give the staff and Al Golden credit that this thing fell apart, but you did find a way to win the game at the end. You did come out of this thing with a win, and it didn't go the way of the Doug Flutie no, game. No, it's better it than the losing. The I mean, that's, that's for certain. I mean, if you have a choice, you'd much rather be complaining about how you won than – than how you lost, but that said, I think you you hit the nail on the head. There's no money in the bank, and I think the knowledgeable fans, the problem they have down there is they realize that, yeah, it was a win, but when we play the better teams, we're not going to beat them. 
Yeah, um, and that's that's you know that's going to be the prevailing opinion until that does happen. I and mean, you just wonder if you do get into one of these big games because Clemson lies ahead and Georgia Tech lies ahead and Florida State lies ahead. Um, if you get into those games and you face that situation again where you have a lead, are you thinking about what happened in this game against Nebraska? You know, there's so many mind games that go on, but uh, that's to be continued. They have the week off. Their next game is going to be on the road at Cincinnati, a game I fully expect them to win. So they're going to open up the season here 4-0. and And so uh, what's that going to mean to the fan base is anyone's guess. But um, well, you fans, know what? It's a welcome Do you think the fans will start talking national championship, or do you think they're not even there? Oh, no. They've, enough has happened over the last two or three years to create all the time. There's plenty of seeds of doubt there because, uh, you know, the University of Miami was 7-0 and two years ago, and then the bottom fell out. So um, uh, any benefit of doubt will will go all it – will, it won't be issued until, uh, you know, mid-late December. So you got to right. go through the it's whole Right, they're going to have to go far enough be. along before fans get excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. the 7-0 and season did that away for them. So it's just going to be that kind of season. Um, what he has done is a good job of having the players block out the, all of the noise something that Michigan failed to do last year, and it just, you know, the team imploded. Nevertheless, all right, that's the end of our first segment here, a long segment. We went, we we blew through our uh, time restraints here. But nevertheless, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to stay in the NFL. There's plenty to talk about there. Andrew Luck, the Seattle Seahawks, and the New York Jets, and all kinds of good stuff for the NFL that we need to discuss here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll do that when we get back right after this. Summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, Print it on your inkjet print paper and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Stud Show, 1026 here. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino recapping uh, the weekend action in the NFL. Uh, we had a decent game last night, I guess. 
well, maybe not. Not what people expected as the New York Jets traveled to Indianapolis to take on the 0-1 Colts at the time. Uh, the Colts were a surprise loser in week one of the NFL season. Everyone fully expected them to come out with their hair on fire, uh, back home under the Monday night lights and, you know, needing uh, needing a win to offset what happened in week one. And they just got a complete dud. Offense didn't show up. And Andrew Luck, Luck looked like a, a rookie in this game. Now, I came out, as you may remember, uh, with – my top five quarterbacks in the NFL earlier this year, and it was Aaron Rodgers, one, Tom Brady, two, Russell Wilson, three, Joe Flacco, four, Peyton Manning, five. Um, and listen, people had some things to say, and anytime you put out a top five, ten of anything, people have things to say. You want to know what the overwhelming thing was? How, How could you Andrew not include Luck? Andrew Luck? Yeah, why isn't Andrew Luck in the top five? And basically, my response to to, to folks, and again, uh, you know, I did write an article up, and it's up on gridironstuds.com uh, forward slash blog. I, I will repost it on on Twitter. You can go check it out because I give reasons as to why I ranked the guys that I ranked, and then also did talk about others that I didn't rank. Andrew Luck being one of them. My basic uh, thought on Andrew Luck was it's a it's too early, and b he has numbers because they throw him he throws 600 times a game, and c He's racked up some numbers on a division that has been weak over the last few years. And I didn't like the way, and you have also mentioned this, the Colts looked in games against big-time teams last year. 42-7 lost to Dallas, 42-20 lost to New England in the playoffs, and 51-34 lost to Pittsburgh. And uh, things, I kind of looked prophetic, as you said, um, in that game last night. It's just too early to be putting Andrew Luck in that kind of company. Well, I thought it was laughable, and we talked about it a little bit in the off season or come, leading up to the season. If the people picking the Colts based on their off season moves to go to the Super Bowl, and I'm saying, am I missing something here? I mean, I don't have any disdain for the Colts, so it's not like I'm, 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 you know, blinded by my my dislike of the organization. I'm sitting there going, well, who'd you get? You got Frank Gore, who was a great running back. He's in his 30s. He'll tell you that he's on the back end of his career. Andre Johnson, nice compliment as a receiver right now. Uh, but he's not the Andre Johnson he was five years ago where he just dominated games. So, I mean, who'd you have? Your offensive line stinks. Your defensive line is small and made for an indoor AstroTurf stadium. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why would you pick that team? I mean, there is all kind of publications picking. The Colts were the were the Washington Nationals of the NFL, where everybody picked them I, to win the World Series. Same thing with I, the Colts. I failed, I failed to see it, Emil. Um, I, you know, and I, I just couldn't be on board with that. Not the Colts. Too many holes right now. And again, I didn't. I, you know, I'm not overboard. Look, Andrew Luck's a good quarterback. Uh, looks like he's got a good future. You wouldn't know it after these first two weeks. But I'm still, I'm still on that train. Just don't call him one of the top five in the NFL right now. Hasn't earned that right. I, I'm not in position to say much because you know what? Right now, Emil, my two picks for the Super Bowl are currently a collective 0-4. Baltimore is 0-2 and Seattle's 0-2 right now. What do we make about the Seahawks? Should they be hitting the panic button? What's going on in Seattle in Europe? Well, you, you're one of those guys that always talked about that book you like, Freakonomics, and how much I'd like it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that bears uh, watching is 0-2 teams, okay? I think it's in the last, I want to say 15 years, I just read the stat, something like that. But it's, it's a good sample size. It's not 15, you know, it's not a year. 0-2 teams, since they've expanded to six playoff teams, I believe that's what it is, have made the playoffs 12% of the times. Mm-hmm. Time. 
So basically, if you Not take all the good. 0-2 teams uh, in, in, over a long period of time, it could be a decade, I forget what the number was, They've, they're one out of eight will make the playoffs. So look at all the 0-2 teams this year, and statistically speaking, one of, one of whatever is out there is going to make the playoffs. I think there's eight or nine of them. So you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> yes, like Dumb and Dumber, I have a chance. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, would, uh, it, it would take a miracle now for me to complete both sides well, of listen, that. listen, there's always outliers. I mean, you could have a year where two zero and 2 teams go to the Super Bowl. There's always a first. Remember the year, well, I'm sure you'll remember this, when the Red Sox came back from 3-0 against your beloved Yankees. And everybody I've said, long forgotten that, friend. I don't even know the no one. No one's ever come back from 3-0. Well, someone has now. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, of those two teams, Baltimore and Seattle, who's in who's in deeper doo-doo right now, in your opinion? Mm, I, I want to say Seattle. I'll tell you why. They don't have this chancellor thing ironed out, and he's a big piece of what they do defensively. Um, offensively, they were never a super dynamic team, so you know they're de- they're a defense first, and they play in a tough division. Not that I think that you know the Baltimore division is tough. But, again, I'm not a huge believer in the Bengals, and the Browns are the Browns. So, from my seat, I see, you know, it's basically, you know, Pittsburgh is who, who's there, and then you got a couple teams that I think that they can handle. Matter of fact, they may play the Bengals this week, I forget. Um, anyway, you look out west, you, you know, Arizona is obviously a, a good club when Palmer's playing quarterback. Uh, the Rams, despite their, you know, what you saw coming, we'll talk about that later when we go over picks mm-hmm. or on Friday, uh, with mm-hmm. Washington, I, I, you know, that was just a tough spot for the Rams. I think they're an improved team, but you know, they had to go on the road after a big win against a rival. Uh, mm-hmm. And even even a team like the 49ers, who aren't good, they can still sneak up on you and beat you once in a while. So I think they're in trouble, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm. I listen. Anytime you lose to the to the Oakland Raiders and you give up that amount of points, um, I'm 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 disturbed by it. Um, however, I will say this. Baltimore has opened up. They opened up with Denver. Uh, they did this whole funky thing where they stayed out west. It's a tough deal opening up with two West yeah. Coast games if you're an East Coast. I mean, that's that's a tough Especially deal. Especially two of them. Like that whole that whole yeah, deal back was to back, really uh, tough. Yeah, yeah r- rough way to open up the season. Likewise, though, for the Seahawks, you opened up the season with with to be honest with you, the team that's giving you the most trouble in your division. It's not San Francisco. It's St. Louis. You open up with that game. Um, on the road, and then now you go on the road to face a team that's ultra-motivated because you kicked them out of the playoffs last year. And, oh, by the way, they do have the best quarterback. And, and man, how good is Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. just watching that guy, it's, he's he's something out of this world uh, at the quarterback position. So, But I, I think know. when you – but, you know, to your point, though, with Seattle, a couple things. Last year, you know – they lost that Super Bowl the way they did, and we talked about sometimes there's a hangover effect with that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they've been to two straight Super Bowls. The game that got them to the Super Bowl against the Packers, they certainly didn't outplay the Packers for much of that game. I mean, they, they found a way to win it, which, you know, to their credit is what you're supposed to do. But you, you, you didn't come away thinking, boy, the Seahawks are just heads and tails above the Packers after that NFC Championship game. And, uh, you know, th- there were some chinks in the armor last year. I mean, Dallas went up there and slapped them around in Seattle, which usually never happens. I mean, Seattle at home is almost money. So, I don't know. You know, I mean, it just may be that right now they need a – I don't I don't know if they're going to implode to the point of where they're just not a good team, but I think they may get to the point where they need to um, 
refurbish themselves a little bit this year. You know, start start changing yeah, some of the pieces. You know, and you got stuff going on. Guys are holding out. The quarterback's dating a pop superstar. Uh, the the running back's mom is now making her you know her thoughts public. Uh, you got all that kind of you know we're a we're a big time team stuff going on, and that's the stuff that tears away at the fabric of your uh, of 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 your dynasty that's it's just, that's those are the things that start jumping off of the wall over the wall and start storming the castle on you so they really got to get a handle on that they do have the bears at home this week uh an opportunity for you to get you know healthy mentally and and get yourself back on the ball yeah but the bears the Ravens, improved just in the last week alone cutler's out for two weeks so that scares me listen get off my boy cutler <laughs> that's my guy with each passing week i become a bigger jay cutler fan you know, Arizona ran back the opening touchdown, and let me tell you, of all the people on both sidelines, okay, they didn't give a close-up of the Arizona coach because you might want to see his reaction to breaking the opening kickoff. They didn't give uh, a, a close-up shot on John Fox. You might want to get his reaction to the opening kickoff being run back. They give a close-up shot of my boy Jay Cutler, who has a look on his face like, has this game started yet? What's going oh, on? I was going to ask you. What was his reaction, by the way? Is, was that his reaction? No, uh, F it. Whatever, man. Is I don't care. Ball? What's up? Game going oh, what's here or what? What's what should I do now? I mean, didn't give a damn look on his face. Like, Cutler is in that. So, he's in that whole thing for me. Like, if, I, if, if I'm a, a, a Packer fan, I want Cutler playing. I'm Like, like Sunday, give me an example. Sitting there with Denise, and when Romo got hurt, I turned to her and I said, you know, I'm ro- I would root for the Cowboys to knock Bradford out of the game now, except I don't want to improve them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, listen, Cutler is priceless to me. Uh, you just don't get that very often, and you uh, remain employed. But I swear to you, my man's look on his face was like, I don't, I don't care. care. Th- that doesn't affect my passing stats. <laughs> Blow the he's, whistle, man. He's a piece of work. You got, like you said, ball around. you got to give him credit. He just he he's him. <laughs> I mean, that's, he, I'm he's not changing anybody man. else. If you guys are down with Team Cutler, sign me to this contract. If not, I'll bounce. He's like, it's almost like if they call him in to cut him, he'd be like, "All right, guys, it's been real. I'm out." And he's going to yeah, hit the yeah. tavern. Doesn't yeah, give I a know. Damn. So, so I don't know. Maybe they are better uh, with with Cutler gone. It'd be interesting. He's going to miss two weeks. If they go beat Seattle and then win the next game, and they, you know, they even up at two and two, what do you do when Jake comes back? You know, that's going to be the the little interesting storyline out there in Chicago. Um, you did touch on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you gave away Demarco Murray. Uh, if, you know, if I can use the term "gave away," Demarco Murray chose to leave. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah, we gave him away for forty-two million dollars. We gave him right. Away. <laughs> he chose he he chose to dress up in different colors. So you lost a big part of your offense last year. Then game one, you lose the second biggest part of your offense last year. And then game two, you lose the guy that made the whole thing go. You just wonder, you know, you got to look at Jerry's face when it seemed he knew uh, what happened to to Tony Romo before I guess most everyone else did. Like, no, I, I knew. I called it right on the on the swear on my kids right on the money. I said he broke his collarbone. I, you, you can you know you see that play enough in football, and you mm-hmm. can usually tell the quarterback's reaction by the amount of pain. <laughs> okay, so yeah, what what's what you know, what's with this man's collarbone man why can't it stay intact why can't he get sacked without well you know, it was five years ago but with three when a, when a 250 pound guy pile drives you i mean the last time happened in 2010 it's not like he breaks it every other week i mean 
that, that's, a, that's a pretty common injury. I think uh, Rodgers did his last year or two, two years ago. Yeah, it's a well, pretty common you know, injury. I, I tell you what it was, throwing a ball around too damn much. I don't think they believe in that combo of backs that they have. And as I was sitting there looking at the game and looking at all the close-up shots that they had of DeMarco Murray going through a myriad of faces, anger, dismay, sadness, all of them. He hit every last one of the seven dwarfs looks on his face. Uh, I couldn't help but, you know, come to the conclusion this whole thing is a lose-lose. DeMarco Murray loses. The Dallas Cowboys appear to have lost. You and I had speculated in the offseason that they would be just all right without him. I don't think that they are, Emil. I think the play calling's different. Uh, they're throwing the ball too much. Tony Romo threw 45 times in game one. Uh, before he was injured, he'd thrown 27 times, well on his way to throwing another 40 times in this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's when you turn the ball over and you get your quarterback hurt. No doubt about it. Well, there's no doubt about it, but I, you know, if anything, if you if you want to look at a silver lining as a Cowboy fan, this may force them just to to really hone in and fix their running game and say we're gonna, you know, we have a line, we have a good line, we're gonna run the ball, we're gonna commit to it, and you know, some sometimes with that, uh, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, I think true. I think I think when you, when you look at their line and things, their line played a sloppy game against the Eagles. I mean, they made 18 penalties. Now, I know the Cowboys were a little dismayed because 13 of those, if you count the tight ends, were on their line and their tight ends. Now, false starts is, are one thing, but the refs seemed a little flag happy with with some of the holds. And obviously, you're not producing all pro linemen if they're prone to hold a lot. So I don't know what the refs were seeing, but eight, there was 26 flags in that game between both teams. 18 on the Cowboys, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think they're, they're going to be forced to focus on that. It's listen. I don't think anybody can run the ball, but I also think Randall's got ability. I, you know, I just I, I don't know if they're committed to it. I, to your point, I think I don't think that to, they are. I, I, yeah. I don't think they believe in him like they believed in the Demarco Murray. So they're going to shift. Let it. me they ask you about Murray. I'm more interested in that at this point because you know mm-hmm. I watched that game and I watched this, the look on this guy's face. To, and I, it, to me, it's sad because I've said this time and time again on the show. He's a nice guy. Like if you follow his career, he's he really has always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He has an ex-teammate at Oklahoma. I understand that. I I know that story too. But I'm telling you that by and large, I mean he's he was well respected in the Dallas community, and uh, right. he's he's not a guy I want to root necessarily against unless they're playing the Cowboys. So. I watched the look on that guy's face, and he just looked like a guy that said, I took the money. I mean, that's really what it is. You know, Emil, this is a topic that's very interesting to me. It's one that I talk a lot about. Uh, it, there are two topics that I really go in on in football and, and the NFL and football in general uh, that seem to rile people up on social media, but I you know, I stick to it. I, I have a right after 43 years and have seen a lot. You know, I've watched football in how many different decades now? I hate to say mm-hmm. that. Damn, four four different decades. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I know some things, and one of them is I, you know, I'm 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 totally against teams throwing the ball all over the place. Have a good passing game, but this throwing the ball around stuff and the hurry up offenses, uh, not the way to go. That's a fad. But the other thing that I hone in on, um, and yeah, you join me on this is. Um, big-time free agents. The Dolphins are having that problem right now with, with the Dominican Sioux. Uh, Why? Because he doesn't Ride, like to go with the defense calls? Is that a problem? Yeah, he's got his, he's got his own <laughs> things. And, you know, and that's part of it. You come and you, you rise to a certain level doing a certain thing at another organization, and you can't help but want to bring those things with you to the new place that you go to. Um, 
You know, that would be like you just, you know, you signed with another team and you left your car, uh, you just left your house, you didn't bring anything with you, no clothes, and you just showed up. And that's essentially what you need to do when you're a free agent. But let's, let's let you know, come on. We know a guy takes his car and takes his belongings with him. And the same way they do that is the same way they bring what they did at their last organization with them to the new organization. So Ndamukong Su has this pressure to perform, and when he can't perform immediately under the guidelines set up for the Miami Dolphins and how they run their defense, he can't help but want to do what he did in Detroit. And that's the problem with the big-time free agents. It's not the last place that you were at. It's the new place. So now you're a rookie all over again, and that's a tough deal. And these guys go chasing the money when, in fact, they might want to just leave a little bit of money on the table and stay where they are and have a longer and more prominent and, and, and prosperous career, but they, they all chase the money. And well, DeMarco and Murray is you know, one of those guys. Human nature is what it is. We, you know, we all, we, we all throughout our lives, you know, not to get too philosophical on you, have different points where – we get a little ahead of ourselves. We get over our skis, as they say, and life humbles you. And sometimes you forget that, you know, there, there's reasons you were good. And, yes, a lot of it's your own ability. But then there's other things, especially in a game like football, which is the ultimate team sport. You know, mm-hmm. a guy like Murray's got to remember there's there's a reason he was running the ball well. There was three AP All-Pro linemen in front of him. <laughs> right. That's Yeah, we'd have to be a fool. But there's so many factors that could play into that. Um you know, the the line in front of you was one of them. The other thing was you had a seasoned quarterback. Um, a very you had a good quarterback, out, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You had a seasoned quarterback who's good. You had a lights out one of the top five receivers there, uh, so that might change how the defenses defend you. Uh, you also had a defense that was playing well. Um, it is a number of things that go into your success when you're in an organization. So I'm kind of like, you know, in the NFL – um, when you when you find a place where you can prosper and you can dominate um, in a in a sport where the best athletes in the world are participating in it, it's in your best interest to try and keep that going somehow, some kind of way. There are very few Deion Sanders's um, and Charles Woodson's and those types um, that can go from team to team or Darrell Rivas, and it seems to be cornerbacks that do this for some reason. But I, uh, how many guys can you name? That were big time free agents that changed their address and well. And, and what's funny is I started doing it typical accountant in me the other day on the mm-hmm. with my wife. I'm telling her, you know, look at this guy. He would have got five years and thirty million from the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. for twelve million bucks, I said, so now break it down. He's in Philadelphia, up here in Pennsylvania. We have a state tax, and Philadelphia has a seven percent city tax. It's one of the highest mm-hmm. going. Okay. So I said, there's 10% off the top that in Texas you don't have either. So there's mm-hmm. there's 1.2 of that 12 right there. I mm-hmm. said, then he's got to pay federal taxes on that incremental 12 million. So I said, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, what he really left for was about six million bucks, probably. Mm-hmm. And when you're yeah. talking about whether you're making 30 million, I mean, I, I hate to tell other people how to spend their money, but in my opinion, I'd rather be dominating and good and make 30 million. <laughs> I I don't. You know, maybe the agents um, push these guys in this direction because it's well, of obviously they in do. Their, they get three and four percent of the contract. What yeah, do you it's tell obviously them? in their best interest. But so many of these guys, if if you're Demarco Murray, you stay in in Dallas for four more years. It's America's team. I mean, you make that six million up in endorsements alone. Well, uh, let me ask you, continue you this. To let me rush ask like you this. Um, when I turn on TV on Sundays, okay. Tell me where some of these guys that are all on TV played. Uh, Troy Aikman? 
Dallas. Michael He's Irvin. doing bear commercials, making fun of himself now. Michael Irvin. Dallas. Uh, I see I see Emmett Smith on TV a lot. Uh, Dallas. Deion Sanders. Dallas. Dallas I mean, there's a there's a reason I go. You know, I'm not saying that there's never an eagle. Team for crying I'm not out saying loud. there's not an eagle on TV. I'm just saying that generally speaking, when you play for a team that's really popular, like the Cowboys or the Steelers or the Packers, it leads. If you're very good, it leads to other things as your career ends because you played on a popular team. You have a lot of people who want to see you. I'm 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 right there with you, man. If you rise to prominence and become big time on the Dallas Cowboys. Why are you leaving that? So, I don't know. Anyway, we, like we, we, we right beat now. this up, but we beat this up good. He doesn't look like himself. He really doesn't. No. Um, the plays are slow. And he developing. looked like he was going to eat uh, Foles' face off, um, you know, Hannibal Lecter style. A couple Bradford's of his buddy. <laughs> Bradford's one yeah, of his oh, best my, friends. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Did I say Foles? Uh, yeah. Bradford. Yeah, Bradford. You know, so, How about um, the Cowboy kicker like getting a penalty slapping. for uh, uh, grabbing his arm? That was pretty funny. Oh, all kind of great things you'll see. You know what? Uh, we're over our time here, but we do need to run through these games really, really quick. One or two words on these contests, and then we need to talk about the picks that we had um, for for the games on, on uh, Sunday. Uh, Houston and Carolina didn't care much about that. It was as boring as it sounded. Uh, the Saints lost to the Buccaneers. Give me give me a word on that. What, what's going on there with New Orleans? Rut roll. Drew Brees, we talked about this last year on the show. Teams have figured out this whole thing. They don't have anything outside anymore, okay? They they traded Jimmy Graham away. Brees really can't make throws outside the hashes. So you see teams squeezing them. They're saying, okay, you know, we're going to play techniques that take away those slants and those things you like to do down the seam where you can make those throws. We're going to make you throw it outside, outside the numbers. He, he really doesn't have the arm strength anymore. Not that he ever had a rocket launcher, but now mm-hmm. as he's aging, he doesn't have that strength. And I think their, their offense is sputtering, and they're just not a very good defensive club. Yeah, kudos, so. kudos to you for pointing that whole thing out about him not being able to get the ball outside. Uh, I like the way C.J. Spiller looks, so they may want to invest in handing him the ball a little bit more, and they might want to do that. Uh, the Steelers invited the 49ers over this weekend, and they were very rude hosts piling up 43, 43 points in the process. Steelers' offense looks awesome, and you know what? That was without Le'Veon Bell, who's going to arrive this week. Uh, the Steelers might be a big problem for folks. Uh, yeah, they're going to score year. a lot. They're going to score a lot of points this year, the Steelers, and uh, I said that. It's still a disaster in their secondary, although, you know. A yeah, they've got issues on the back end. They do, but that game was kind of, you know, let, let, even though I will talk about in the picks, let's tap the brakes. I mean, the Steelers had 10 days off. The 49ers were on a short week traveling across the country. That was coming at my mind like a freight train, that game. So Yeah, I know, and, uh, and uh, some great points for you there on that pick. Minnesota and Detroit was a ho-hummer. Uh, Adrian Peterson was dipped in grease, though. Needs to hang on to the football, looking a little rusty. And you know what? He even broke out on one play, and he's starting to look his age a little bit, Emil. He He's starting he just to... just couldn't run away. I didn't see the game. He just couldn't run away from them, huh? Yeah, just looked a little tired running down that field. So uh, he's he's going the way that all running backs do, as superhuman as we thought he was. It looks like he's starting to look his age there a little bit. Um, the Buffalo Bills fought the good fight, but New England is uh, firing on all cil- cylinders right now. So I don't know if they're you well, know, you're not gonna, the where are you going to spot New England? And where are you going spotting them a three-touchdown lead? I mean, when you let them get ahead of you like that, you're you're not coming all the way back. That just 
Yeah, so uh, you know, good job by New England. They're two and zero and not ready to uh, you know give up the AFC East to anyone right now. Arizona and Chicago. I touched on this a little bit. Chicago comes uh, comes out for for the uh, it is the second home game. You've opened up the season zero and two. By the way, both of those games were at home, and you lose you lose off of the divisional loss to the Green Bay Packers. You let the Cardinals come in and score forty eight points. John Fox is probably reconsidering his move to Chicago. Yeah, and I think it's it's hard to, you know, I think Arizona's a good club, but again, it's hard to figure them out just yet how good because I think Chicago's definitely one of the two or three worst teams in the NFC, and the Saints might be right there with them. So right now they've, you know, they've they've beat up on two teams that are probably going to do a lot of losing this year unless, uh, you know, unless I'm seeing something Tennessee, wrong. Tennessee and Cleveland, um, do I dare say this, Johnny Manziel looked like a quarterback. Um, stayed in that pocket more, looked downfield more. Um, I guess he put the booze down, and he's wanting to be a quarterback right now. The first play was awesome. Stood back, stood in that pocket, and launched that thing deep. And uh, Travis Benjamin had a day, and and uh, one Heisman Trophy winner beat another uh, on this field. How about how about? Has that ever happened where a team, one team, has played back-to-back games where their Heisman Trophy winner faced two Heisman Trophy winners? Because right, I doubt that it. I doubt that it ever yeah. has. We'll have to go search the internet. Yeah, because that, 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 that's that's that, amazing when you think about that. That they, I mean, obviously there had to be. If that's a coincidence, then that's a hell of a. I don't believe in coincidences. I think the NFL somehow said, "Hey, this will be interesting." <laughs> These teams suck, so let's have Tennessee with the highest. Oh, I don't know about that one, Emil. I think that's a that's a that's a fantastic four stretch arm stretch reach right there. But you don't think uh, that the NFL never. realized that Winston and Manziel? Well, they, that's true because Manziel wasn't even supposed to be a starting quarterback. Good point. No, he was parked on the bench and in rehab and everything else. Good point. I don't know if they knew that one was coming. I Cincinnati stand San Diego. Yeah, Cincinnati and San Diego. I don't know how much we can say about their battle of two teams, and I guess it I kind saw of some of that, that game before the. I saw the end of that before that was when it was at a bar at the resort to see the Dallas game, and uh, I saw the end of that. I mean, uh, it was pretty much what you would expect. San Diego had a yeah. tough road trip. I mean, you know, so nothing, you figure nothing out of the ordinary. No, I do like Cincinnati Melvin Gordon though. I do like yeah. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and it looks good. like the Chargers like Melvin Gordon too because they're trying to trying to feed this young man the ball, which is which is a good idea. St. Louis and Washington was a pick of mine. I'll I guess I'll touch on that more when we we hit the pick section here as we're running a little long. Giants and the Falcons. The Giants are a mess, Emil. There's no other way around that. I know that makes you happy as a Dallas Cowboys fan, but the freaking Giants are a mess. And Eli Manning is looks he looks like a rookie out there at times. You know what's hurt? The hurt. If you're a Giant fan, what's killing you is they're not a mess to the point of the Bears like non-competitive a mess. They're a mess just enough that you know they tease you and then figure out a way to not win. And they've done it two weeks in a row. So that's for a fan. I know one thing. That's hard. You sometimes when your teams, if your team's 0 and 2 and they're going in that direction, you're almost like, can you just get blown out so I can go outside at halftime? Yeah, I do need to rake these leaves. Don't have yeah, these whatever here. You're gonna do, uh, we right? lose the game, and and the wife's pissed. That's a double whammy on a Sunday. And I realize it's September, and the Giants don't do winning in September. That's not what they do. But for God's sakes, man, you could be two and zero if it wasn't for just stupid mental juvenile errors. It just uh, yeah, but football is crazy. more than just the physical. We've talked about that. The, the mental aspect of winning is a big deal. I mean, the Patriots win games not only because they're physically better; they win a lot of games because they, they they have better strategy than their opponent. And the Giants just aren't good in that department right now. And when you're talking about September winning, listen. The Giants haven't been to the playoffs the last three seasons, and it ain't trending that way right now. So they haven't done a lot of winning at any time. 
for the last three or four yeah, years. Yeah, um, uh, true. So we have to see how this one shakes out. John Harbaugh, uh, his Ravens took on the Denver Broncos in week one. He made the decision to stay out west. No sense in going all the way back home, packing up again, and then going back out. And uh, He needed that to work for him. It did not. The Oakland Raiders put up 37 points in a 37-33 win. Not a good look for the Ravens. And uh, for the Raiders fans, hey, maybe there's a little bit of light there at the end of the tunnel for them. There's hope in uh, well, in Oakland. I sat next to a Raider fan, coincidentally, at the same bar, and he 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 said the light at the end of the tunnel is always a freight train in the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of freight train, Dolphin fans have to feel like they've been hit with one. Um, and look, I don't, I'm not going to get back into the whole Nadamakon Sue thing, but. Uh, you had this, there, there's a whole lot of great feeling prior to this season for the Miami Dolphins, as it seems it always is. And uh, I went into the season with, you're going to have to show me, was not impressed with week one against Washington. Um, and, um, you know, in my mind, I thought the Jaguars had a good chance to cover five points against the Dolphins. They did that, and then some winning the game 23-20. Well, it, you know, the thing with the Dolphins, that week one win was a little concerning because you, you heard everything about their offense was going to be improved. And, and, and really, they won the Washington game because they they killed them on special teams. And, you know, that's all right. That's a phase of the game and good for Miami. But you had to be a little concerned because, you know, I'm still not thinking Washington's going to be world beaters even after their win this week. And then they go and they play Jacksonville. So you say, okay, well, now they're going to – they're going to show us what they're about. And they go out and they score 20 points and, and get beat. I mean, I, I, I'm concerned if I'm a Dolphin fan for a couple reasons, the biggest of which is the Jets and Bills look improved. So, <laughs> True. Uh, and the Dolphins cannot run the football at all right now. They just have zero running game, uh, nor can they stop to run. So that's a double whammy. We talked a whole bunch about the Cowboys and the Eagles yep. and uh, Seattle and Green Bay is one of my picks. So let me run through those picks for you right now. Um, Washington was one of my picks. Uh, I just had this feeling St. Louis is going to be super giddy over beating uh, their arch nemesis in, in the division uh, against the Seahawks. I, I imagine it would have been not the greatest week of preparation, and Washington didn't look that bad in their home opener, and here they were at home again, so I felt really good about Washington being a home Yeah, that was dog. a nice uh, pick by you. You got yourself an out right there. I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah, purely off of uh, purely situational there. I did take the Cowboys. Um, you know, I'm not buying the the sauce with the Philadelphia Eagles, and who are they to make them six and a half point favorites? Yeah, you lost Des Bryant, but receivers in this league don't they're they're not worth a full field goal, which is what I think happened here. Uh, and I, you know, I felt like the Cowboys. Interesting stat for the gamblers uh, in the audience there. That was the Cowboys' tenth straight win on the road in the regular season. Yeah, so they're getting it done on the road. And the Eagles just didn't look great to me against the Atlanta Falcons. And I wasn't ready to make them a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Nice so pick there. After after winning both of those picks, uh, I knew the law of averages were against me. And so why the hell would I win the Sunday night game and go 3-0? and Because you just can't go 3-0 and like that. So I went in. Uh, but you had every chance the... to win that Sunday game, as sure, did I, because sure that was one I of my did, picks. There was a million the... ways to win that game. The gods would not allow such a thing, you know, so early. So um, I went into that thing with a, with an eyebrow up, and the Seahawks didn't look good early. Came back, looked like the Seahawks. Then uh, something happened there at the end, and you know, as my son Marcos 
upset the next morning because he went to bed early on the game, got upset, how the hell did the Seahawks lose? And I didn't really have an answer for him. It's just sit down and eat your breakfast. I don't know what yeah, happened. Sit down. I don't know what they did, but they did it. Anyway, you were 2-1, yeah. and one, and that, 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 that starts you getting back to the right direction in the pros. Your overall pro record is now 2-4 and four, as you had that tough first week. Ah, yes. Tough now, me, I've just least. been consistently bad in the pros. I'm also 2-4 and four on the season as I went 1-2 and two again this week. Uh, like like you, I took the Seahawks, and I felt really good when they got the lead. I even felt good when they were losing by 10 at the end because I figured they're going to backdoor this for us and score. It's going to be 27-24. Not the case. So I take mm-hmm. a loss there. Unfortunately, for some reason, I believe in the Detroit Lions, and for our regular caller and friend, Les, Les, I think your Lions may be in for a long year, buddy. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I just think that's that team is they're a disaster right now, and uh, you know I, they missed some of the pieces they lost on defense, and I'm not a big Matt Stafford fan either, like Les. So anyway, took a loss with the Lions, and then finally my 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 best pick. I wish I could have made. Is there any way next time I could make this all three? Like when I like a game, can I say I just won it three times? So I'll either be three and zero oh or zero oh and three because it's all good until that thing goes wrong. But hey, listen, a great situational play and oh. you know, dealing dealing in some kind of way with the Monday night game usually can net you some good results. So you pick you picked the right one there. Yeah, and the other thing is like I said earlier in the show, when you've got ten days off, you're a Steelers, you can't start 0 two. They understand how how important this game is and extra prep time against the team coming off a short week and traveling across the country. I thought they just missed the line. Like if they wanted people off this game, I really felt they had to make Pittsburgh a ten point favor just to keep people Either off the game or on the, you know, maybe foolishly taking the 49ers. But to make this like a six point line, holy cow, the Steelers crushed them. That was my win. So I'm two and four along with you for the year. There you go. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll have a quick segment on college football. Uh, you know, plenty of good stuff to talk about there. Ole Miss, Trouncing, Alabama, and I don't know if we're going to touch on the whole USC thing. I think my co-host has had enough. I think, of that, I think we've plenty. had enough of that. I have. Thank you. <laughs> plenty went on in the college football for us to talk about. We'll address those things and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. My calling all night. I can pull the wool while I'm being polite. Darling, calling all night. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! Thank you. 
You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. And I know she'll be the death of me, at least we'll both be nothing. And she'll always get the best of me. The worst is yet to come. All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino recapping the weekend of college and NFL football action that went down this past week. And uh, one of the things that did go down were our picks. Uh, mine, once again, were suspect. And uh, we'll have to see how you did. Let's let's jump into that. Let's let's get the good news first. Did you did you have a winning weekend in college football, Emil? I did not. I was one and two. Oh my God! So we got we we're, we're handing out some bad news here today. Well, you know what? Your bad news first. I'll follow up with my bad news. Well, I might as well start with the good news. I have my one winner. I I really saw Georgia. Uh, first of all, anybody who listens to the show, we did our preseason preview. I have Georgia in the Final Four, or I had them. You know, the, my thoughts on that are changing a little bit, but I still like Georgia. I think uh, they're going to play LSU or Mississippi for the SEC crown. I like what they're doing there. I like uh, Chubb. And I, I just like their overall roster. Uh, they killed South Carolina. I think South Carolina is in for a long season. That's they're just not a very good club right now. Uh, so that was my one win. Then I have two picks that I'm not proud of. Um, I over I'm over buying on Arkansas. I figured coming off a loss at home to Toledo, uh, their hair would be on fire when they played Texas Tech. And you know Texas Tech really isn't keen on playing defense. So I figured Arkansas would run the ball for 300 and some yards in this game and we'd get a blowout. And instead, we got a blowout, all right. Texas Tech beat them by 11. <laughs> uh, listen, one of the more shocking – listen, there were plenty of shocking things that went on uh, on Saturday. This is one of them. I was completely uh, shocked by that. And then how about how about Texas Tech's head coach, Kingsbury, taking some shots at Brett Bielema, who everyone – Well, he opens himself shots. up. Listen, if you want to be opinionated, that's fine, but you better be ready to take the heat. And I think, you know, uh, Bielema is just better shut his mouth and figure out how to win football games before he's going off on people's schedules and everything else. Um, l- listen, he won't be long for the SEC and the University of Arkansas if this continues because they are not going to just let him hang out there and go 3-9, and nine, okay? Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. He better get this thing spun around really, really quick. Yeah, it's so, early in the season, but he's got some work to do. And my final loss, you know, the more I thought about it, I, I, it's just a game I should have stayed off. I took Rutgers at the time plus 10 against Penn State. Penn State beat them 28-3. I'm still not buying Penn State. I think, you know, you look at their wins against Buffalo and now Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers has so many problems there with legally that I probably just mm-hmm. should have stayed away from that. So I apologize to the listeners for that game. I mean, that was one where, as I had more time to think about it, I was just like, eh, you know what? There was more choices out there. If I'm going to lose, let me lose with the team that isn't, you know, dealing with the court system and everything else. So I took a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the courts and geez. 
Yeah, uh, players took a loss in there. Texas. It's uh, a lot going on. So I went one and two in college. On the year, I'm still above 500 in college at five and four, and I uh, sit overall on the year at seven and eight. So it hasn't been a complete disaster so far. You didn't lose your house yet, listening. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. Well, so we'll have to get on the ball in in, in uh, college football because I too uh, had a one and two day in in college football. I look, you took the cheese with Rutgers. Uh, because mm-hmm. how in the hell could Penn State be a double-digit favorite right now, as crappy as they looked? Um, I took the cheese with Illinois. How in the world could they be um, that big of an underdog against a North Carolina team that was one and one and just n- nothing there to say uh, this team can beat a Big Ten team like that? Well, boy, was I wrong. They handed them their face, to say the least, yes. uh, if I could use that term. Uh, punched them right in the mouth. So that was a loss. At least it was uh, – uh, you know, I knew early because it ended up being 40. Yes, 40 you went out and raked those leaves or whatever the hell you guys do in Florida. Yeah, you know, move the, move the hell on. Went, went to Outback, by the way. Yeah, and so there I you go. enjoy a meal because I didn't need to watch that. Um, my lone winner uh, was Texas. And there's just, look, Texas may be having their problems right now and people may be shining up their pitchforks uh, out in Austin because they want to get after Charlie Strong. But this Cal program has been down so long, there's just no way they could handle the whole mind frame of being a favorite against Texas um, and a favorite against Texas in Austin. I just thought that was was crazy. Uh, but there was a certain point there where I was thinking, God, did I also like take cheese on this one too? Am I just am I a rat? Because it wasn't looking good for a little. No, while. it wasn't. It looked like. But you know, it was like fitting Cal the way Texas lost the game, huh? Just missing an extra point. Uh, just kind of the way things are going. But, 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 they did find a quarterback in this game, uh, a little junior Vince Young there. So maybe that's maybe that's going to spark something there for Texas. Uh, you and I like the breaks on that. As a, as a Pac-12 fan, Cal's not really big into <laughs> playing any defense. You just want – look, if you're, if you're Texas right now, you just want to see someone at that position or on that side of the ball making plays. And, you know, it, you know Cal is not – Southeast Missouri. So um, right. let's hope gotcha. they can build on that, and that's a step in the right direction for them. So uh, I did come away with a win on that one. And then going into the night contest that I picked, I felt like, all right, I'm good, man, because this thing's gold. USC is going to – man, they're putting up 50-something points every week. They're going to take out this Stanford team that can't seem to find more than two touchdowns against anyone, and uh, we got what we got that you happen to see live and in person. So I don't know what the hell happened there. By the way, your text walking out. Your text came in when we were walking out of the stadium, and it made me chuckle. I read it to Denise. Uh, Stanford shouldn't score 41 points against San Jose State, more or less USC, and that that basically sums that up perfectly. Yeah, how great was that text to uh, come yeah. in at that particular time? But nevertheless, yeah. yeah, they they shoved it right up USC's rear and no one knows. So yeah, you were one and you were one and two, that. and you know what's you know what's coincidental here? You also sit at five and four in college. We have the exact same mm-hmm. record, and you're seven and eight overall. Yeah, ain't that ain't that? We're tied. There's nothing to be proud of, by the way, either. Hey, we'll clean this whole thing up. You know, we're all right. You know, Seahawks are zero and two. We'll be fine. I you have know, something else I want to talk about football related. Can I mention something? I do. Do you want to? Do you want to uh, ask about why no one could tackle Leonard Fournette on Saturday, or was there something else you wanted to talk about? I wanted to talk about the nachos I ordered at this 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 bar oh, because did you ever order nachos? <laughs> Someone's <laughs> extremely down on their luck. I feel bad for you. 
All no. here we could talk about what's going on in your no, life. No, I want to talk. I ordered nachos, Chad. They gave me seven nachos in California. I'm like, I was expecting, you know, like a pile of nachos with cheese all over them, maybe some of that ground beef. I was like, I, I was thinking, thinking to myself, you know, I've been good. I'm going to really do something bad for my heart today. So <laughs> You really are an accountant. You counted the nachos. You counted well, Chad, the Chad, you saw this? It was so sad looking. I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's like seven nachos here. Guacamole, oh, something that looked like crushed tomatoes. I'm I'm sitting there in this resort, and guess how much they charge me for this? Oh, you know, I lived out in California. It's expensive out there. Seven nachos. Eighteen dollars for nachos. seven nachos of guacamole. You're the fool there. That's worse than that's worse than you uh, picking Rutgers for crying out loud. That's a worse pick than Rutgers. I know. Uh, against Penn State. Well, I had to bring it up. Don't order nachos in Southern California. Okay, now back to football. I think Denise should have stepped in on that purchase. But <laughs> she wasn't near me. No, I was that drinking. had to be the case. <laughs> Carmen would never have allowed that to go down. She would have, she would have slapped the menu right out of my hand. But nevertheless, um, some things that went down. Uh, I did talk about, you listen, I don't know what it is. Is Auburn, you know, that suspect on defense, or is Leonard Fournette that much of a man, or is it, Probably a combination of both. Leonard Fournette looked like he was in the backyard with his younger cousins on Saturday. That's the only way I could describe what I watched against Auburn. I really thought in that game going into it, I'm going to be in the house with you. I was actually thinking of making Auburn a pick. Boy, am I glad I didn't. I, I just oh, figured... it, crossed, it crossed my mind. Like, okay, you, you had a stinker against Jacksonville State. Who had the better week of practice here? It would have to be Auburn. But listen... For all the hoopla, Jeremy Johnson's not looking to part right now for the Auburn Tigers at quarterback. No, no, they've listen. They've they've obviously got some big time issues there, and you've always said this. You know, again, you got an offensive guy there, um, like Gus Malzahn. He wants to do a you know a, a Chip Kelly version too. He likes to run a hundred plays, and they bring in you know Muschamp from Florida, who's a defensive guy. The problem is he's never played with an offense that wants to do the stuff they're doing. And, you know, you, you, when they go three and out, you know, like you say, your defense goes over they before they even get their Gatorade. They're like, hey, get your yeah. helmet. <laughs> Not only has he never played with that, he never wanted that at Florida. Um, you know, you would just get the – you could catch the tones from some of the things that he would say to the media that he just didn't want his team to be that because it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So uh, with that being said, though, uh, people were ready to put them in the national championship game and ready to race because this is what fans do. They're ready to race Auburn up the flagpole as the top of this, that, and the other. That stuff doesn't happen overnight. You need Will Muschamp to get in there and create the identity and get the players that he wants in the particular spots. And uh, It's going to take a while to line that stuff up. And Whether or not they will both have the amount of time they need to do that is is uh, remains to be seen because you can't have too many more days like like you had on Saturday. South Carolina and Georgia, you did make this a pick, but Emil, were you expecting a 32-point win for Georgia? I won't say I was expecting 32 points, but I was expecting it to be a very easy game for Georgia. I, I just don't like what I'm seeing from South Carolina, even in the game they played North Carolina and won. Um, I came away, you know, unimpressed. Yeah, uh, so like you said, it's going to be a long season there. For, uh, for for the Gamecocks, and they, they better get something going there fast. Uh, How I about, wait, you you're skipping expect- a big one. How about Notre Dame? How about Notre Dame? No, I, I wasn't going to leave them out okay. because that is noteworthy. Fully uh, fully expected. Um, I really thought Georgia Tech was going to win this game, and not only did 
did Notre Dame win, they kind of held that option in check. So you know that that video is going to go around to a lot, a lot of people uh, around the country that have wanted to figure out how you stop Paul Johnson's offense. So they'll be looking at what Brian Van Gorder, the defensive coordinator for the for the uh, Fighting Irish, did, and will we'll be taking notes. But then uh, Notre Dame's offense is starting to look like it might be something. So uh, the Irish might. They they might be a factor in this conversation. Well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say something that's gonna piss off a lot of Notre Dame haters. But uh, over the weekend, I put this out. If, if you made me pick my Final Four right now after watching that, and I, by the way, uh, you know I'm yeah. Well, really why don't we? Why don't why don't we do that? Who are your Final Four? Who well, I'll tell you when I when I really when I make dumb picks. I really thought Notre Dame was gonna win this game for one reason. I thought it was disrespectful all week to even inst- install. Georgia Tech as a favorite initially at Notre Dame. I look at them and they say, oh, their quarterback's out. Well, the kid who's playing quarterback at those kind of schools like Notre Dame got recruited to play quarterback at Notre Dame. So I'm going to assume that other than being younger, the backup quarterback is, is you know, is not some slap. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and I like their offensive line. So I think Notre Dame is built the right way. They can run the football when they have to. The starting running back went out, and this kid ran for, what, 180? Uh, on Saturday, I like he he did hit a ninety ninety plus yard run that helps, but well, but um, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I look at Notre Dame. They've got three tests left, and and they're going to be in that if they they have at Clemson, which is huge in a couple weeks. The game with USC at home uh, at night, and then they have what looks like will be a more difficult game after Saturday at Stanford to end the year. But I have Notre Dame in the Final Four. I just got a feeling with this team this year. Uh, I like the way they're built. I, I, I see the winner of Ohio State-Michigan, and I'm not going to try to pick it at this point, so you can call me a baby. I've got them in there. I've got Georgia. I've got Notre Dame, and I, I still have TCU, even though their defense is starting to scare me a little bit when you give up 37 to SMU. That's... Yeah. Um, well, look, some impressive inform- uh, performances went down. One of them that was not impressive was Ohio State versus Northern Illinois. What do you make of that? Just a just one of them Saturdays where you tried to ho hum your way through a game, or you know, well, two uh, or three what, games what? have been that way, and the other game was against Hawaii. I mean, if you really look at the Virginia Tech performance, to me, it wasn't nearly as impressive as the media made it out to be. They trailed at halftime. Hmm. Everybody tried to say, "Oh, they were the old. They were bored." Then they woke up. Well, they woke up a lot when the quarterback from Virginia Tech went out of the game. I'm not saying Virginia Tech wins the game, but I've seen two very lackluster performances, and they're going to find out that repeating is very difficult in any sport, and if they don't get their act together, somebody's going to catch them one of these days besides Michigan State. Yeah, um, so I, I don't know. I think maybe that was a little bit of a, a wake-up call for them, so we'll have to see there. Um Listen, we're not going to have time to hit all of these, so we'll we'll pick one more game, and that has to be Alabama and Ole Miss. I'm sure you did not expect that. No, no, no. Actually, I thought I, I actually figured Alabama would be Alabama, bring their A game and and drill them. I really did. Yeah, uh, I was expecting the whole revenge factor. Not enough, obviously. Uh, somewhere in the back of my mind, I felt maybe Ole Miss could possibly. Uh, you know, make this a really close game or, or even win it. This is why I didn't make it a pick, but certainly didn't expect. I mean, the, the final score doesn't really tell what went on there. No, no. I mean, listen, maybe I saw some preseason All-American teams that had four, four Ole Miss players on there, uh, the defensive end, the tight end, 
the wide receiver Treadwell, and I'm trying to remember the other kids. But basically, four guys on a preseason All-American team. I mean, they only had 24 players if you count the specialists. So there's some talent in some of those classes he's brought in there, and maybe, maybe they're for real. I mean, I mean, I have to say at this point, I have to believe they are. Yeah, well, I'll have a chance in a few weeks here to see them uh, up close and in color when they come to Gainesville to play the Florida Gators. Can't wait to see uh, what that looks like uh, up close. But they look very, very impressive. Who's your right final now, four it, right now? If you have, uh, I made you pick a two early. And Ole Miss is my number one team in the country right now. That's you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. That's just how I'm looking at it. Ole Miss number one, Ohio State number two. Uh, I put LSU at number three. And I've got Notre Dame at number four. I'm uh, and I'm keeping Georgia just outside of that as four A. Let me let me let me you know South Carolina as you described them is a little bit of a it might be a little bit of a train wreck right now. Let me let me see them against another quality opponent. Then maybe they slide up in there into that top four. But that's my well, let me four ask right you now. this before we sign off with Ohio State. You were mentioning them before. I definitely think the quarterback thing could become a problem here for them because. <clears throat> You know, every time a guy has a bad game, you know, then it's like, are we going back to the other guy? I, I feel like they can't get a rhythm. You know, last year all those guys played, but they played the complete game because they were getting hurt, and the next guy we had to step up and play. Now you're trying to coddle people and make, you know, serve two masters, as they say. You're trying to make two guys happy, and usually the way that ends up is no one's happy. Right. Which leads me to my question. I'm looking at their schedule in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. If they lose to Michigan State, I honestly don't think you can put them in the playoff because here's, their schedule stinks. I mean, I don't know, you know who you're going to blame for this. They, the Virginia Tech game, you know, Virginia Tech isn't what they were. Hawaii's a, a tune-up type game. Northern Illinois, another tune-up type game. And then they play Western Michigan. So they've got nothing out of conference. In the conference, they play Indiana, Maryland, Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan State, and Michigan. So really, if you lose to Michigan State – and you don't win your conference, it's going to be hard to put you in there. It really is. Um, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. And their schedule is set up for them to go undefeated. And if they do lose, then, you know, you're out the door. Of course, this would depend on what everyone else ends up doing. But uh, it's going to be hard for a Big Ten team with a loss to make it in anyway. Um, and the only team who could possibly do that are the defending national champions. No, I would say one other. Michigan State could lose a game they're not supposed to lose against an average team, beat Ohio State, win the conference championship, and be in as a one-loss team because they've got some street cred with the win against Oregon. Uh, I have a feeling by the end of the year that's not going to look as impressive as it might look right now. I think you know Oregon's going to have some issues down the road, but we'll see. You know, that's yeah, the beauty yeah, of yeah, this I mean, whole thing. You're right. We have to see how it plays out, which is why we have a whole season in front of us, and you know, you and I are just guessing at this point. Yeah, and and we have fun doing that. So does everyone else with college football. So um, it's like I said, I, I want that 18 playoff, but you know what? Part of the thing with college football is all the speculation and boohooing and crying about the rankings. I think that's just become a part of college football, and that's what it is. So, Well, we enjoy there you it. Go. <laughs> yep, we definitely do. But uh, we've come to the end of another great show here. Uh, I'm back on Thursday, as always. Stay tuned. I may have a Wednesday show. I keep talking about it. One of these days I'm, I'm going to do it and make it a regular part. Um, but don't hold me to it. I am definitely back on on Thursday. Need to talk high school football and college football uh, on Thursday. Emil rejoins me on Friday as we do a, a weekend preview and we give our picks. But uh, that's that's the normal schedule here. So we're, are we back on schedule, my friend? We are back on schedule. 
All right, we are back on schedule. We are back. The West Coast homie. Uh, did oh, you man. Say, did, did you say what's up to Ice Cube and the guys from uh, Straight Out of Compton while you're out there? No? I, that? I, I didn't, but they're selling Straight Out of Southern Cal t-shirts at the Coliseum now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure those were in love. I wanted to get straight out of there America. as soon as that game ended. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that, that had to be a bad scene there. All right, nevertheless... Thank you all for listening to the show today. Back on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your day. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.